Welcome to The Peg Doesn't Fit. Join your co-hosts, Eric Steven and Ryan Bartle, as they discuss a variety of educational concerns. We feel that education is a round hole. Solution upon solution has been wrapped into a square peg for years. The problem is that it just doesn't fit. What if we designed a new peg? If you feel the same way, you've come to the right place. Thanks for that introduction, Joey. How's it going, Ryan? Going pretty well. We're still, uh, just so everybody knows, uh, we are still in our remote recording feature. As I talked about in the last episode, I was home quarantining because my wife tested COVID positive. Well, just being in the same house for a week, it appears that I perhaps maybe have come down with it myself and I am on the uptick and starting to recover from COVID, but we are still recording live. So thank you for joining us. Anything exciting happened in your world this week, Ryan? Well, uh, I'll say a classroom one. I actually have been struggling to get all kids to turn their video cameras on to engage in class and connect. And I actually have had two of my classes jump up to 100 uh, percent engagement in that way. And you could see the big smiles on their faces once they kind of let themselves do that. And I was excited, too, because it really as much as it can felt like a, a real class. Well, you know, what makes me the most exciting about that weekly story for you is that we didn't um, we weren't privileged to hear about your garden. Ah, yes. <laughs> so but I could tell you all about it. <laughs> I am glad to hear that you had some positive engagement experiences this week. Uh, me, outside of uh, possibly COVID positive, and I don't know, I tested Monday and I still haven't got my results back. So I, I figure by the time I get my results, I might be completely healed. Um, don't really have anything exciting in my week, although I will tell you that I do have this dog and I have to go on this uh, on, on a dog walk, you know, to help my dog be potty trained, which is a, a struggle in itself to make that happen. But I will tell you and I will share a picture with our listeners in one of my shameless ploys to try to get you to listen to us when I send out a weekly picture of something to help you interpret the weekly story from. The reindeers in my neighborhood are starting to get put up. Uh, that probably doesn't mean anything to you, Ryan, but I do live in a in a very festive neighborhood. Uh, my street is actually called Candy Cane Lane. You can actually open up Google Maps and find Candy Cane Lane in Wichita, Kansas. But my street goes berserk with decorating for Christmas. But right up the street, the neighborhood really wanted to try to get in on the fun. And they have created a street called Reindeer Row. So all of these houses have like 20 foot tall wooden reindeers in their front yards. And it is crazy. And just to see in that kind of one, yes, it makes me happy that the holidays are coming up. But two, it makes me a little sad knowing that the traffic getting into my neighborhood is getting ready to be off the charts. So feel free to come by Candy Cane Lane if you ever want to and, and honk. I'm the first house. I, I look forward to seeing you all this Christmas vacation. If you live in Wichita, Kansas, I'm sure that you will probably drive by my house because it seems like everybody in the city does. Anyway, so uh, let's let's get to focusing on some content. Right? Let's talk about a tweet of the week. This one uh, comes from Johanna Brown. Her Twitter handle is at Johanna, J-O-H-A-N-N-A Brown. And this is what she says. It's kind of uh, worded in a, uh, the 
kind of like a conversation. It says, student, but what if I don't learn all the chemistry I'm supposed to? Me, it doesn't matter. You'll forget most of it anyway. Student with the little gasping emoji. Me, the goal is for you to figure out how you learn and give you new ways to think about the world. So let's just focus on that. And that tweet really hit home to me, Ryan, because I it, it kind of made me think about everything that we've been trying to talk about since we started this podcast, about how maybe the focus on education shouldn't be the content so much because we do live in a world where we have the accessibility to all of this content that throughout the course of the educational history that we use today, you know, that wasn't always the case. Textbooks and maybe books or, God forbid, encyclopedias uh, at one point were where the content could be found. But now everybody has access to that at the touch of their fingers. So um, what do you think about when you hear that tweet, Ryan? Does it make you think about anything educationally speaking wise? Well, uh, as a teacher, actually, it kind of it relates to like, let's say that I was once that child and I have to be prepared for when I get out into the real world and thinking about how I learn and how I sort through all the content that's that's out there. So two things actually come to mind. They're not tweets, but they're things that I've read this week. Uh, one of them is that the World Economic Forum posted a paper re a report recently, and they had said that by 2022, everyone on average will need an extra 101 days of learning to keep pace with our changing world of work. Now, I don't know if that means 101 extra days uh, per year or in your lifetime. It did not say. But Either way, whether it's 101 days in my life or in a decade, that's still a lot of extra. And and that's to spend time processing all of that new knowledge. Uh, another thing that popped up for me is I, I stumbled across this article from the Thomas B. Fordham Institute. Uh, it was a blog post uh, based on a report called The Supplemental Curriculum Bazaar is what's online any good? And it talks about how teachers often will try to supplement the work in their classroom um, to try to fill in gaps. And the question is, is that really a, a wise exercise? And so what I'm thinking about as a teacher and thinking about how do you learn, I think oftentimes why do teachers go do that? Why do they search online? It's because they think that the textbooks they have in their class don't meet all the learning needs for their children. And the danger of going down that road sometimes, though, is when you're thinking about all of that that's out there, how do you filter through and weed out what's good or not? Because oftentimes we teachers are in a pinch to something um, for the kids, or you realize, oh yeah, that, that would actually be better taught this way. And you're very quickly trying to grab something off the internet and give it to the kids without maybe putting that filter in. Well, I guess what I like about it, even listening to what you say about how teachers sometimes are going into the internet and they're just grasping for stuff to fill up time. Again, that's, that's, that's kind of the old way of thinking and what we're trying to get away from. And the thing that I like about this is that not very often will you get a teacher that will make an admission to their students 
you're not going to really remember much of what I'm teaching you anyway. Um, because I mean, unless they're going to, and this, this girl's a chemistry teacher. So unless the student grows up to be a chemist, I mean, maybe they'll remember all the chemistry, but if they're just going to grow up to be a regular productive member of society that was taking a chemistry class, they're probably in reality, not going to remember all the specific chemistry that that teacher tried to fill their head with. But if the teacher is able to present the content in a way that teaches the kid how to uncover the knowledge themselves and how to learn and find the information on their own, then I think that that teacher is seeing themselves as a success because they're teaching the student how to find information out and solve their own problems for themselves as they get older and learn how to develop into a productive citizen. And that is actually the goal. And to be honest with you, this tweet, we're going to come full circle, and we do not have my lovely wife giving us the segue of today's content is knowledge construction because she is still sick. But we are going to move into the 21st century learning design module known as knowledge construction, and knowledge construction works perfectly into this. So, Ryan, are we ready to roll right into knowledge construction and to discuss with our listeners what exactly that means? I believe so. So knowledge construction, what Microsoft does in their rubric is they break it down into five levels. And uh, the ultimate goal of knowledge construction is to build and create with the learning that you have, so with the knowledge you have, and um, apply it across disciplines. That That is really the ultimate use or the ultimate construction of that knowledge. So it's not, it's no longer that gaining knowledge, it's the uh, building with it. I like building because uh, it fits into the word construction, but I just, building feels pro- productive. So uh, yeah, it's how do we use the knowledge that we have to do other things? Well, let's talk about the rubric, because as you said, it does does break that rubric down into five components. And with all the other Microsoft rubrics we've talked about, if you're at a level one, that means you're just not doing it. Um, However. Well, it means they're simply acquiring knowledge. That's it. Okay. All right. Fair enough. They're acquiring knowledge. Um, but let's look at level two. So this, the learning activity does require to construct knowledge. And let's break down instructing, no, constructing knowledge. They actually talk about the four different areas within that. They're going to make an interpretation. Uh, they're going to uh, analyze, make it, make an analysis. Uh, they are going to use synthesis, and they are going to evaluate. And looking at all four of those areas uh, in itself. If we can design our lessons just to where we require these students to use these skills, then in my book, that is a win. Um, But I'll break down the interpretation. Uh, They're going to draw inferences beyond the literal meaning. Uh, For example, students might read a description of a historical period and infer why people who live there behaved the way they did. That in itself, if you design a lesson that requires students to make some type of an interpretation, um, and, and even more so compare it to perhaps their own lives, um, that in itself is a lesson that is far more valuable than a teacher just up there presenting and having students take notes. Um, sure. Analysis means identifying the parts of a whole and their relationship to each other. 
so again, they're investigating local environmental factors to determine which are most likely to affect migrating birds. How do you say that word? Mitigrating? Migrating? Migrating. migrating. Oh, there's no T. It's a migrating bird. But again, they're using an analysis and they're trying to identify the whole part and trying to break that down and really understand why do birds go to the south during the winter. Um, being able to understand a variety of different things in terms of how their real life works to help them understand that concept is, again, far more valuable than being having just a teacher tell you the answer. Uh, synthesis is they're being able to identify a relationship between two or more ideas. Uh, again, high level thought. And then finally, evaluation. And I love this one the most. They are judging the quality, the credibility or the importance of data, ideas or events. So if you design an activity that requires students to be able to use those skills, you are already ahead of the game from what happens in the classrooms on a regular basis in terms of the, the old type of classroom style where the teacher is the sole provider of the knowledge. Um, starting to get into some knowledge construction allows you to, requires you to release some of that power and put some of the power of the actual learning into the hands of the student. Anything else you want to add on terms of what exactly knowledge construction is, Ryan? Yeah, I heard a, a great uh, couple, two, it's like a two-liner in a TEDx talk I listened to last night. This this teacher created these great private schools in India, and one of their foundational you know skills is this knowledge construction. But she phrased it in this way: essentially, there's a huge difference between what is the capital of India, which is New Delhi, versus why is New Delhi the capital of India? Because all of a sudden, then you can start going to all kinds of reasons that kids don't have to, still are not arriving at a perfect answer, but they have to start thinking about geography and political systems and the movement of people. And I think you can apply that to anything like uh, what are the butterfly's body parts versus why does a butterfly have wings or or anything? You know, you could really just flipping that from a what to a why is so powerful. That is excellent uh, addition. Thank you for sharing that, Ryan, because obviously at some point in my life, I've been taught uh, what all the capitals are. Um, I can't I can't name them for you right now, you know, but maybe if I were in this state currently thinking back to what the different capitals are, if I understood the political impact and why those choices were made, that might be more willing to stick with me over time than just memorizing what the capitals are. So appreciate you. I think it actually engages our brain a little bit better on a just a totally unrelated note to this, that our human brains love story. And when you have to start exploring the story of something, we automatically connect with it a lot better. Absolutely. Um, going back to that number two, it does say that the learning does require students to construct knowledge by interpreting and analyzing, synthesizing or evaluating. However, the activity's main requirement is not knowledge construction. So there might be a few times where the teacher does, you know, present and give an entire lecture over a variety of whatever the content is. And then maybe the, the last five minutes of class, 
give the students some kind of why question. Why do you think that is in which they are provide required to do some knowledge construction? But it's not necessarily the main activity of the lesson. So in order to get in the rubric, the learning activities main requirement is knowledge construction. Um, and that gets you to number three. But what keep, stops you from going from a three to a four is that it does not require students to apply their knowledge in a new context. So does that make sense? Uh, so it's one thing to, to break down and say the entire activity of the lesson is for some students to, to use, you know, either interpreting, analyzing, synthesizing, or evaluating on a particular topic, but it stops right there. Um, the way you would move to a number four is if you give them that opportunity to, to construct that knowledge and then provide them a task that requires them to apply what they just constructed in an entirely different context. And that's how you move to number four on this rubric. Well said. Now, I, I will say that just kind of thinking about that. Um, and, and again, Microsoft is very clear in their presentation of these that these are not necessarily levels. Um, you know, it's it's not to say that if you are doing an activity that meets number three on the rubric that it's a bad activity. That in itself is a very good activity. And to be honest with you, in some of the, 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 the lessons that we watched, you know, all of this doesn't happen throughout the course of one class period. It builds on um, each other throughout the course of multiple different lessons. So the goal then would be to initially set up something that allows students to construct their own knowledge about a particular topic, but then having giving them the opportunity to really show true mastery of content by allowing them to then take that knowledge they just constructed and move it into an, an entirely different um, concept to show that they can apply what they've actually learned. That would be getting in number four. And then to get to number five, this is something that you know, really makes it difficult in the current setup of the way our classes are set up. But number to get to level five in this is that the main requirement is knowledge building. The learning activity does require students to apply their knowledge in a new content. And the knowledge building is interdisciplinary, meaning that it has prescribed standards or learning objectives in more than one content area. And that's where it gets to be a struggle. And I know that you've talked about this a lot, Ryan, um, because we are confined in the certain uh, way that our schools are set up to where we do have English class, math class, language arts class, science class. You know, um, a lot of times it's difficult to cross those gaps between mm -hmm. the two subjects. And I think that as this podcast continues to evolve, we're going to start to discuss maybe some ideas that we have. Um, I know that we've already kind of talked about doing away with grades, uh, but what if we did, did away with subject matter and we were teachers and we were teaching the whole student and not necessarily just the specific element that we are broken into in terms of our expertise as the classroom teacher? You want to expand on that, Ryan? Oh, that's a don't even get me started because that's where I get excited. And I'm looking forward to moving to our next little area because when we move, when we break down those barriers of uh, subject areas, I think the learning becomes so much more valuable. And I think you got to break down the walls of even school versus regular life. I'm finding a bunch of examples out there like the Green School that's in um, 
it's in South Africa and Bali. Uh, they're doing this. They're gardening. They're connecting with businesses, learning architecture, all from grade like kindergarten and up. And they're not just sitting in one like subject. Yes, a lot of their focus is math and language arts, but they're doing it. They're learning those things while expanding their knowledge and doing knowledge construction in all kinds of other areas. And then we get into like blockchain and all the kind of stuff that gets me excited. Open source technology. That's that's where we can really soar for our kids. And we will have some episodes coming up very soon uh, in terms of what we see is our vision of what education could be. Um, again, though, I have to come back to the fact that we we are not experts. We're just a couple of teachers that that really are passionate about this and realize and we recognize that something's got to change. We don't know the specific answer of that. We are starting to do some research and realize that there are some people that are actually doing some significant outside of the box thinking. And, and that's the kind of direction that we want to start going towards when we get to this. But, the, but to kind of the backtrack, just to review this entire episode, this knowledge construction, and we probably we talked about this at the beginning, should have done these modules in order. Um, but, you know, we've kind of bounced around based off of the, the topics that we liked. Um, but this knowledge construction really is kind of at the heart of all of it. And we've been talking about this since our very first episode, that we really need to start moving teachers away from being the sole provider of information and transitioning into teachers that set our classrooms up in a way that requires the students to find the information themselves. And I think that is at the heart of education, is teaching students, teaching kids how to think for themselves and how to find the answers themselves. And it's really turns the teacher's job as more of the facilitator, or as you've said in the past, the guide on the side. And all of the planning is done up front in how do I set up a student to be successful, to learn the information without me giving him or her all of the information. And if we can start to move education into that type of a teaching style, then I don't think that there's anything that is going that all that's going to do is help students become better problem solvers and and better citizens of society, which ultimately is our goal with teaching in general, in my opinion. I agree. I don't have much to add to that. Well said. Let's look at a strategy of the week then. I want to talk about this strategy which kind of does um, kind of relate to knowledge construction. It's called reciprocal teaching. The effect size of reciprocal teaching is 0.74. Let me talk to you about reciprocal teaching. Basically, that is giving the kids the opportunity to teach their peers. And when I first started learning about this strategy, I, I got to thinking back when I was a teacher, um, and I'm sure that all of you guys can relate to this as first year teachers. You know, you go to school for most people can do it in four. I had to do it in a few extra years because I wasn't always focused. Um, you get out and you just kind of expect that you know what you're going to do. And then once you get in your classroom, you kind of realize that you really don't have a clue of how to teach and you just kind of learn through doing it. And to me, that was reciprocal teaching because I learned so much about the content that I had to teach based off the fact that I had to teach it. And that's how I learned by learning how to teach. 
And if we can somehow set our students up in a way for them to not only construct their own knowledge and to understand on their own level the content the way that they uncovered it themselves, but then flip it on them and give them the opportunity to actually teach their peers, then that in itself is an amazing strategy because, and it's kind of twofold, it lets the kids learn from the the kids that are teaching them, but it also allows the kids that are teaching to master the skill even that much better because they are now the ones driving the ship and they are teaching the content to their peers. What do you think of that strategy, Ryan? Oh, I think just, I'm thinking through the teaching lens, reflecting on just that element, uh, teacher to teacher, how much you can learn when you see um, somebody else applying ex- almost what you're doing, but in a different way. I think that's, I don't even know how to explain it, but it, it feels like almost mind blowing because it's so familiar, yet you get to see it just tweaked a little bit and you go, oh my gosh, I know immediately how to apply that. So I can see why that is such a powerful tool. Yeah. Another great tool that goes along with this is uh, trying to build an opportunity for kids to engage with the material through questioning. You know, and and one thing that I used to love to do as a language arts teacher is that we would read a passage and then I would ask the kids, you know, I need you to to read this. And, And instead of giving them questions that they answered through their reading, they actually asked their own questions. And and the way that I got them to ask better questions is I would give them, say, like a like a Costa's level of questioning, uh, a group of of sentence starters, you know, or Bloom's taxonomy sentence structures and try to get them to to use those higher level words in their actual questioning. And what made that so powerful to the kids is that I would always tell them, all right, I'm going to take all your questions and I'm going to look through them and I'm going to use these questions to create the test with. You know, and it always caused a little bit of competition within the kids because they really wanted to ask a higher level question, kind of twofold. One, they wanted to stump their friends. And two, they wanted to see their test. They wanted to see their question on the test. So anytime that you can empower students and let them be a more a part of the classroom, I think that you're you're likely to get more buy in and more engagement from the kids. So take those strategies as you will. Uh, We'll call the first one reciprocal teaching and we'll just call the other one inquiry based teaching where the kids ask their own questions of the material and uh, and try to move that up on the uh, the competition scale by actually using some of the student generated questions to actually put on tests. Um, So do you have any uh, closing takeaways from today's podcast? I think the the peer to peer thing is pretty cool and I'm applying it to the knowledge construction on the uh, we'll call it the inner interdisciplinary level or even knowledge in a new context and and I think what if we could have kids uh, work across schools um, I'm actually connecting uh, with Miss Natalie Kaufman and or Natasha Kaufman sorry I had the word Natalie in my head Natasha Kaufman we're going to try to connect across our schools um, I'm actually uh, looking to see can you connect even to another classroom, maybe outside this nation, because if you can look at something that's, let's call it the same lens um, of language arts or or something, but hear it from fresh eyes, I think that's that's a way to apply that knowledge in a new context that's really powerful and sticks kind of within the peer to peer 
peer-to-peer idea too of learning that you had mentioned. And and I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, Natasha did reach out to us, and again, she is our number one fan, and we certainly would love to hear from more of you. But she did reach out to us with some pretty um, some pretty cool resources uh, to connect other um, classes together. I can't find those. Let me see if I can find the resources that she recommended. Um, she brought up the idea, and you guys are welcome to go check these out. Um, they do have this app called Pen Pal Schools. It does connect students from around the world to learn together. And there's another one on here. It was a rather um, Spaces Digital Portfolio. I did go look at those, and both of those do cost money. So I'm not sure how practical they are, but Pen Pals Schools and Spaces Digital Portfolio are a couple of applications. But what did come really cool from that was an opportunity for Ryan and her to connect because they do both teach language arts. And I am looking forward to hearing in future episodes how that goes because another thing that we've been talking about throughout is that we've got to release the confines of the building itself of the place for education. And being in the environment that we are in right now, this remote environment, the sky is truly our limit. And those two are going to reach out and try to do a collaborative project. If that's something that you're interested in doing by any means whatsoever, you can email us at thepegdoesn'tfit at gmail.com. You could go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thepegdoesn'tfit. We don't have a Twitter page yet, but we do have a hashtag, thepegdoesn'tfit. You're certainly, anytime that you see a cool tweet that you would like for us to mention, by all means, tag it with the hashtag, the peg doesn't fit. There's never an apostrophe in that word. And you can always go to our voicemail, anchor.fm.com slash the peg doesn't fit. And we will gladly talk about any ideas that you have for changing education, because the main purpose of this podcast is for us to connect with other educators who are like-minded and who think that we are selling kids short right now and are ready to try something different. Any ideas for next week, Ryan? I have so many, I'm not even sure where to begin. We might just have to leave our listeners in suspense. We are going to leave you in suspense. We got two different, we got two more modules in this series that we are talking about. And then we're really going to start getting into some of this research that Ryan's been talking about. There's a lot of really cool things going on right now in our world with education that we want to bring to your attention. And, um, and, We'll just get to that when we get to it. So thank you for tuning in. We are really grateful that you've decided to spend some of your time with us, and we look forward to seeing you next week. 